If you're looking for a way to maximize your rehearsals with your band or your group, or you're simply like me and you're just really frustrated with the way a lot of bands handle rehearsals, then this podcast episode is for you. We're going to be jumping into effective rehearsal strategies, how to maximize your practice time and collaborate effectively with band members. And we're going to provide insights and tips on how to optimize your rehearsals and coordinate with other band members to boost your overall performance. And I want to start this off by talking about some really important mindsets that we all need to adopt when it comes to rehearsals and doing rehearsals. And the first thing is that repetition is key. And what I mean by that is that you have to understand that when you're learning music and you're getting into music to make it better and to make your shows and your performances better, the way that that happens mostly is through repetition. So repeating the song over and over, you know, this, the more times you perform something, the more times you play it, the more times you go over it in your head, the better you get at it. It's just like learning an instrument. The more you do it, the better you get at it. Right. So repetition is key. We have to go into rehearsals with, you know, that mindset thinking that, hey, these songs that we're going to be going over, we need to repeat them enough times to get them in our sort of memory and our mindsets and our muscle memory and all of that so that when we're performing them, they just become natural. So that's the first mindset that repetition is key. Now, the other mindset that is really important, and this is one of the ones I kind of want to hang my hat on because this is what happens with a lot of bands and musicians these days, and that is that unfocused rehearsals are entirely useless. So what happens is a lot of bands and artists, they go into these rehearsals just completely blind. You know, someone will call a rehearsal and say, hey, let's get get together uh, Tuesday night or Wednesday night at seven o'clock and we'll rehearse for a couple of hours. Hey, we sent a set list out a couple of weeks ago. It's got like 25, 30 songs on it and we're going to go over the set list. And there's no focus in these rehearsals. So here's what happens. You get to rehearsal. Let's start by people probably not even being on time. Half the band members are late or something like that in a lot of cases. And, and you know, sometimes legitimately because we all have busy lives and stuff and people have things to do. But what happens is, you know, people come in late. You know, you got this set list of 25 songs. You're like, OK, let's just start at the top and go through them. And you're trying to go through 25, 30 songs in a two hour, you know, time time span where everybody's mind is already on other things on their day and all of that kind of stuff. So you're not going to one, you're not going to be able to handle that first mindset and handle the repetition. You're not going to be able to repeat these things because you're trying to go through so many songs. Right. On top of that, you're going to be trying to do stuff like add transitions. Like how do we start this song? How do we stop this song? How do we go from this song to the next song? And adding all of that and trying to do that with like 25 songs, you most of the band members are just not going to remember that stuff by the time the gig comes around. And this is what I mean by unfocused rehearsals are useless. And this is the way that a lot of bands and musicians do rehearsals these days They just go into it with like this completely unprepared 
sort of thing. Hey, it, you might as well just say, hey, let's just get together and jam on some songs and see what happens. That's pretty much describing what happens with these rehearsals. So anyway, that's the second mindset that we really need to be aware of, that these unfocused rehearsals are completely useless. Now, the next mindset is that rehearsal is about putting prepared ingredients together. And the analogy that I'll give here is about forming a cake. So here's what I mean. And this is kind of what we just spoke to about the mindset and the unfocused rehearsals part of it, that um, what rehearsals need to be and what they should be is band members who have had ample time to practice and prepare for that rehearsal, showing up to that rehearsal prepared and practice, right? So you already have the ingredients that are prepared. So again, the analogy here is baking a cake. You you have ingredients. You don't have this separate ingredients like, you know, sugar or nutmeg or butter or whatever. You don't have unprepared butter that you put on the table to start making a cake. No, you put butter on the table that's already made as butter, that's already ready to put in the cake. So now all you're doing is mixing these ingredients together in, you know, whatever amounts to form the type of cake that you want to form. So that's just kind of a loose analogy about how we need to be prepared for rehearsals when we show up. You know, learn the music that you're supposed to learn before you get to the rehearsal. And that's what I mean about learning the music. You know, know the music, know the notes and stuff, of course, and know the lyrics and all of the kind of stuff if you're a vocalist or whatever. But, you know, have in your mind also this music and where it's going to go and how it needs to be performed. That way you're walking into a rehearsal and you're putting your ingredient, just mixing that with other people's ingredient, right? And then you're forming the cake, which is the, you know, the rehearsed show, the perfected show or whatever. So again, that's a loose analogy and it's a loose way to sort of describe the way rehearsals need to be with everyone showing up prepared. That's the main thing that everyone just needs to show up prepared to do what they want to do. Rehearsal is not a time to come in and learn stuff. It's not a time to you know, practice harmonies and stuff like with the vocalists and stuff like that. It doesn't mean that you're going to have everything correct and, you know, you're going to show up perfect. You may have to go through one of those or two of those things every now and then. It's not that you can't. It's just that if you don't know those things and you're showing up completely unprepared, it's a waste of everyone's time. So again, show up to rehearsals prepared. Now, the next mindset is about giving and receiving constructive feedback. And this is something that is crucially important to a lot of us bands and musicians. We have to know first, we have to know how to receive constructive feedback, right? We have to be able to let people tell us when we are, you know, not doing something right, or perhaps there's something that we need to improve on. That's receiving constructive feedback. And we need to be able to receive that feedback without you know, having our egos jump in and, you know, like, well, you don't know your stuff and all of this kind of stuff, getting defensive and stuff like that. This is this is why it's important, again, to be really prepared when you come into rehearsals, because if you take time to prepare and you understand that there may be some things that you may not know, you can listen to constructive feedback from other band members, specifically people like your MD, your musical director, right? People like that that can give constructive feedback and allow you to, you know, improve on what it is that you do. 
That's what receiving constructive feedback is. And then secondly, you need to be able to give it constructively. So if you receive it, you can be able to give it, you know, in certain circumstances. So if you're the bass player, you may need to mention to the drummer, hey, you can you lock with me a little bit more here or something like that? Or whomever, you know, if you're the keys player, hey, guitar player, hey, this is the chord I'm playing. I'm playing it in this inversion. Maybe you can try it like this and we can gel together like that. Or it can even go, you know, as far as the feedback goes, it could go as far as stuff as after the rehearsal. Hey, man, like, hey, we really need to get this thing together. It seems like we're clashing on something and all of this kind of stuff, right? That's being able to give constructive feedback. And the important thing about this is that you need to be able to give it in a way that is, that's what constructive is part of the word, that really is constructive. And that is something that's learned. You need to learn how to deal with people and learn how to talk to people. So, you know, my drummer, for example, I may not be able to talk to him in the same manner that I talk to the bass player or the singer or the guitar player or whomever in the band. Right. And all of these mindsets are really important when going into thinking about having effective rehearsals and you know, making your rehearsals mean something and that they're not just like these useless wastes of time. These are the mindsets that you need to adopt. And so what we do from there is once we've adopted these mindsets and we understand these particular things going into rehearsals, we start this process of the rehearsal and it's really divided up into three different sections. And that's like the planning section of the rehearsal. So what you do before the rehearsal happens and then the second section is the rehearsal itself, like what the things you do during the rehearsal. And then the third section is what you do after rehearsal. So like post rehearsal. And most people don't even think about these things a lot, but that is important. But the first section we'll talk about is planning the rehearsal. And the first thing that you want to think about is determining the best day and time for everyone, right? That's something that's crucially important. Like, you know, you want to be as accommodating as possible to all of the band members, you know, time and all of that kind of stuff. Again, we live in a really, really busy world now where people are just busy. Everybody has things to do. There was a situation that just happened this past weekend from the date of me recording this, you know, this podcast that I called one of the musicians on a on a uh, Saturday night and we had a gig on a Sunday afternoon and he had just totally forgotten about it. Although we had talked about it like just three or four days before. So, and you know, to his credit, it's just because he was busy. It's not because he was just like, you know, Hey, I don't care about this gig or anything. It's just, again, people have a lot to do. So you want to be as accommodating, accommodating to that as you can. Now, of course you can be only so accommodating, but you at least want to try to do that. So that's the first thing, just to, to determine the best day and time for everyone. And the way that you do that, again, is just send our text message, make some calls and say, hey, guys, thinking about doing a rehearsal or putting a rehearsal schedule together. What's a good day and time for everyone? I'm thinking about you can even lead it. You could say I'm thinking about, you know, Monday nights at 7 p.m. Does that work for everyone or does anyone have a conflict with that? See how that works. And then the second thing you want to do is to try your best to make it as convenient as possible. And again, this is something that I just spoke to. Of course, when we're talking about convenience, we're talking about the day and the time. But convenience also goes into things like the location, right? 
where the rehearsals are going to be located. So if, you know, certain band members live further apart and all of that kind of stuff, meeting somewhere or rehearsing somewhere that it's like in a mutual spot for everyone. So that no one has to drive out or anything like that too far. Right. Or no one band member, one or two band members necessarily have to do much more to attend the rehearsal than others. Now, also in terms of convenience, and this is something that are not, not a lot of people think about as well. What you want to do is maybe even consider providing some food and beverages and drinks for, you know, your rehearsals. And this is the next part of it. So like, if you're a new band, especially you want to meet as far as like the convenience and the times that you want to get into meeting, you can schedule something like once a week. That's what I would recommend. Like if you're a new band so that you can get that repetition and you can start learning to play together. But again, if you're a seasoned band or something like that, maybe once every two to four weeks or even once a month, right? That's a, that's a good rehearsal schedule for that. But again, in terms of convenience for the rehearsals, what you can do is just add in things like food and drinks. So have someone buy some food and drink some, just some snacks, you know, even just some chips, cookies, or, you know, whatever everyone likes, some water, some soft drinks, or, you know, even, <laughs> even a beer, if that's what you guys do. But that, those are the things that you can add in terms of convenience to help everyone, you know, be accommodated when they get to the rehearsal. Right. And then the other thing is you want to make it easy for them to just show up and play if that's possible. So if you have a an area where or a spot that has all of the instruments available, like you've rented somewhere, a rehearsal hall, or maybe at someone's home that has, you know, the necessary instruments and sound, you know, like drums, a guitar, guitar amp, bass, bass amp, sound system, microphone for the singers and all of that kind of stuff where you, people can just kind of show up. And, you know, do a rehearsal along with the soft drinks and food and all of that kind of stuff. This is really accommodating. Now, again, none of this stuff is particularly necessary. This is just the stuff that's going to go into helping people to not only be more comfortable attending rehearsals, but having a sort of more productive rehearsal once they're there. You know, once you show up somewhere and you feel accommodated and you don't have to work too hard, you don't have to you know, leave your guitar amp and guitar in your car all day at work because you had to go from work to straight to rehearsal. You know, when stuff is made easier like that, because it eases your mind, like leaving stuff in your car, your stuff could get stolen or something like that. And, you know, that's just the price we pay for, you know, as musicians a lot of times. But if that stuff can be managed and accommodated, it makes it easier for everybody to have an effective rehearsal. And again, that's what we're talking about, effective rehearsals. So those are the things you want to do. Are you a musician, artist, or band looking to make some serious passive income and build a huge fan base? Then you should absolutely start a YouTube channel today. And that's because right now, YouTube is the biggest opportunity for bands and musicians to make money and build a huge following around their craft. And this is the reason that the premier YouTube quick start course for musicians was created. This course is designed to get you up and running on YouTube very quickly and easily. And the best part is it's completely free and you can get instant access to it at the link in the description of this video. Now, the next thing is you want to add your rehearsal to your calendar. And then, you know, send two or three reminders in the weeks and the days before. 
And this is something I talked about. The reason because of this or the reason for this is because everyone is busy. We live in a really busy world. You got to be able to send this stuff out, let people know about it a couple of times. What I like to do is, you know, put it like do a Google calendar event and then you can send that calendar calendar event to everyone and just have them download it and it goes straight into their calendar uh, like automatically. And what you can do on that reminder or on the calendar thing is put reminders in there. So like it just automatically reminds them. So a reminder will pop up on their phone. And I like to set a couple of mine, like a couple of reminders rather. So like one, like a week before one, like three days before, and then another one, like the day of to remind you. So, and they just automatically pop up on your phone and that's an easy way to do it. But you could also do things like send out text messages and things like that, or, you know, make phone calls or whatever. But the, the calendar way is the easy way to do it. And of course, it goes without saying when we're talking about planning the rehearsals or the rehearsal that you need to be considering the songs and stuff that you're going to go through and all of that. And we'll get into that in the next section. But this is the way that you plan your rehearsals, like you get everything together you have a solid plan going into the rehearsal. Everybody's accommodated. Everybody knows what's going to happen. And it makes the rehearsals be more effective. And then comes the actual rehearsal itself, right? So the day of the rehearsal, what do you do in these rehearsals to make them as effective as possible? So the first thing I want to say here is that you need to have one person and one person only lead the rehearsals and preferably this person probably should be the musical director, the MD, right? So have that person lead the rehearsal. And the reason this is important is because it's kind of like that too many cooks in the kitchen kind of thing, like where everybody has something to say and everybody has control over, Hey, we need to do this. Hey, we don't need to do this. Hey, we need to do that this way. It gets, it goes against that having effective rehearsals type of things because you have too many things coming from too many different people, right? We all know how that works. That whole too many cooks in the kitchen. Everybody has, we know how that works. So, you know, ideally in an ideal situation, you want to have one person, you know, two at most, you know, have two leaders or whatever leading that rehearsal and having everyone, you know, follow their lead. It doesn't mean that people can't talk and it doesn't mean that people can't give feedback and stuff like that. It's not that. It's just that you have the direction coming again, musical director, the direction is in the name direction and, you know, foresight coming from a single person or, you know, two people again, at most, that is something that is really, really important. I see a lot of bands, you know, get in trouble because of this, their rehearsals are just, like crazy ineffective because they got everybody like literally every I've seen rehearsals where everybody in the band is just trying to lead and trying to direct. No, let's do this. No, let's go to this song. Someone will say, Hey, all right, let's do this song next. And then somebody, no, let's do this song. And it's like, wow. So again, we know how messy that can be. So again, please to have a re effective rehearsal, make sure it's just like one person designate a single person again, maybe two at most to lead and direct the rehearsals. And then next, and this is something that's really important. You only want to consider or rehearse over about four to five songs per two hour rehearsal. 
Now, this is something that I spoke to at the beginning in the mindsets in that what happens is a lot of times these bands and everybody, you know, you have a skeleton band where a lot of people have just been kind of thrown together to play a gig, you know, and everybody's, you know, pretty good musicians and stuff like that. So it's not like they they can't handle it. But they'll go, they'll call a rehearsal, and again, you'll get a set list of 25 or 30 songs that you got to perform for like a three or four hour gig. And in those rehearsals, they try to go through, you know, the 25 or 30 songs. And it's like, what the hell is happening here? This is like, we're not going to remember any of this stuff or all of the stuff that we're doing in this rehearsal. Everybody, everyone literally could have just like individually did it on their own time at home. Now, again, this, you got to understand this is, there's instances where you may need to have that happen where you're only going to have a rehearsal one time and like you got something really, really important coming up and you may need to just kind of brush through those 25, 30 songs as much as you can. And that there may be times for that. But again, the effective rehearsal, we're talking about having effective rehearsals, maximize it to like four to five songs where you have time to do what we talked about at the beginning the repetition to go through the songs multiple times to, you know, just get the songs down and allow everybody to, uh, again, be comfortable with just doing four to five songs. And again, that takes the pressure off a lot of people coming into the rehearsal and, uh, you know, thinking that they have to know 25, 30 songs when they get there. Right. The second thing is, or the third thing rather, is that you want to not rehearse longer than three hours. Now, I know this is something that's debatable debatable, and, you know, whatever the case is, there's going to be instances, of course, where you're going to have to rehearse longer than that. But in my 30 years plus of experience of doing this, I've kind of recognized, I mean, not only working with just like bands, but like choirs and groups and all of this kind of stuff, there seems to be a sort of threshold that happens around the three hour mark where you kind of get to this point of just no return, you know, the point of no return where you're everything that you're doing, especially if you've been going hard for a good two and a half, you know, two hours and 45 minutes prior, you've been going hard in a rehearsal before then at the three hour mark, everyone's tired, especially if it's the case of what we talked about where everybody's busy, they've had long days, they got to get up in the morning and stuff like that. And you're in a rehearsal for three hours. You're just going to start losing people. And of course, there's contingencies for this. Again, there's other things that you want to consider. There's times where you may need to rehearse longer than three hours and you may just have to push through it. But generally speaking, keep your rehearsals less than three hours, preferably again around just around the two hour mark at the most. These days, people start getting antsy at an hour and a half, two hour mark. So you're lucky to get there. But again, I think three hours is like the max if you're just talking about how long you need to rehearse. So that's something to consider, really important to consider when you're talking about these rehearsals. Now, what you want to do when you're rehearsing also is rehearse your songs in sections. So you want to start by rehearsing in the sections of the song, like the verse, the chorus, the bridge, the vamp, whatever, the hook of the song. So get those sections down. And here's why this is important. With a lot of music, if you divide stuff into sections and you understand like the, the verse one of the song is in 85, 90% of the time is extremely similar to the verse two of the song, at least musically speaking. Now, lyrically speaking, it may be, you know, totally different, 
But musically, the verse one is always just kind of really almost the same as verse two. So if you get the verse one down, you got verse two. So that instead of doing the song as a whole, and what happens is when we think, when we come from the chorus, chorus one, and then we get ready to go into verse two, everybody's thinking like, okay, well, what's the verse two? Versus of thinking of it in sections when you have that first section and you know, okay, I just need to repeat section one of the song, right? And this is why, you know, part of the reasons why it's important to just rehearse in sections and then go to rehearsing as the whole song. Another reason is that you can get the transitions down from section to section. So you can say, hey, this is the verse one. What is the thing that takes us into the chorus or into the pre-chorus or into the, what do you call it before the chorus, the pre-whatever uh, or the post-bridge or whatever it is. So you can talk about the transitions that help those things happen. So if you're going from verse one to chorus one, is it a drum field that takes you there? Is it a band crescendo where everything goes up? Is it some riff or something that the guitar does? You can concentrate on those things. So now you're rehearsing. Let's do verse one and do the transition. All right. Verse one transition into the chorus. Verse one all the way through the chorus to verse two into the transition again. What's the transition that takes you into the second chorus? Right. And once you have those things down, you can call them like when you get ready to rehearse the whole song it's, it's actually a really cool thing. When you get ready to rehearse the whole song, you say, all right, let's do it. Let's start on verse one. You count it off. You say transition one. You kind of know what it is because you've gone through it. All right. Chorus. You call that out. Same thing. Verse two, uh, you know, transition to into the chorus bridge, vamp, whatever intro ending. You can call those things out. So, again, it's important to at least spend some time to rehearse your songs and your music in sections. And this also helps the vocalist as well, you know, with the lyrics, it, it helps them not to have the pressure on them at any given time to just have to go through an entire song, especially if they're, it's a song that they've just kind of learned. They've been practicing on it at home and they're not really that good at it yet, or they don't have the lyrics totally memorized yet. It's good for them to be able to do that in sections as well. So it's a lot of benefit to, rehearsing your songs in sections. So make sure you include time to do that. The next thing you want to do is determine trouble spots such as the transitions, right? And this is something that I just spoke to. So if there's trouble spots where the band is, you know, having a tr having trouble playing a certain riff or a run, and it doesn't have to be the transition. It could be anything in the verse of the song or in, in the chorus of the song. Make sure you put some focus on that. Stop and do it. If there's a mess up, if there's like a groove change or something like that, and the drummer and the bass player is not getting it, make sure you stop and do a little focus on it and say, hey, let's go through this a little bit more. Let's focus on this area where we're not. Oh, what's that run? Or what's that chord right there? It's really hard to go to. Let's do that a few times and, you know, make sure we get it down. That's how you, you know, continuously progress through your music and your songs as you're going through. Now, you see all the stuff that I'm talking about, too, right? This is why it's important to only do like four or five songs. All of the stuff that I'm talking about, if you tried to do this on like 25, 30 songs, you'd be in rehearsal like 10 hours. Like trying to go, hey, let's just take the verse part of this song, the verse one, and nail that. Just make sure we got it down in our ingrams. Let's do the repetition. Do it three or four times and make sure we got it. Then let's move on to the chorus and do the same thing. You know, relatively speaking, all songs are not going to be like that. I mean, some songs you only have like, 
two or three chords in it that you got to rehearse over and over. And that's the entire song. So, of course, this is relative. But you see what I'm saying, especially if you have some sort of difficult song where you need to do that on and you're concentrating on these spots. This is why it's important to only do like these four or five songs. So, again, the next thing is just determining these trouble spots and doing some focus on them. And then, of course, you also want to be focusing on the technical aspects of the songs. So things like the timing and the groove and the feel of the song. Right. And so this may be one of the things where you put some focus on not just like the transitions and, you know, the technical parts that's happening in the verse and the transitions and all of that kind of stuff. Right. You may want to focus on just the feel of the song, like. You know, there's a lot of songs that do things like the the rhythm and the groove and the feel of the song changes from like the verse to the chorus or the chorus to the bridge or whatever. Even like the drum pattern in the song or the bass pattern changes. So you want to get used to those sort of transitions. It could be a little jarring sometimes to go like you're feeling something one way like here and you're feeling it and you're feeling it and then it goes to something else where it's like like the just the feel of it change and that can be a little jarring and it can you know kind of take you out of the music a little bit so you want to rehearse those things you want to rehearse those types of changes those type of groove and time changes or you know anything that you want to change in the song like the the original song may be playing a little slower than what you want to do it on stage and you may feel that you can do it faster because you may want to do like a mashup with another song or whatever. So practice those timing things and those groove feels and say, Hey, if we're going to do this song a little faster, we got to make sure we keep this in a pocket. We got to make sure we do this so that the transition to the next song is smooth and all of that kind of stuff. So you see how that works. So again, this is something important, just getting these types of things like the rhythm and the groove and the feel of the song down. And of course you also want to focus on things like the intros and the endings of the songs. And this is something that is crucially important. If you're kind of, you know, grew up what I would call sort of old school now, like me, you know, a lot of the older musicians used to teach us younger musicians at the time, you know, things like, you know, you have to start right and you have to end right. You have to make it appealing. Like you got to start right because if you don't start right, nobody's going to care about what you're doing in the rest of the song anyway. And if you end wrong, it's the same thing. Nobody's going to care what you do next. Um, be that as it may, like, however important that sort of information is, you do want to spend some time focusing on the intros and the outros of the song. So who's going to count the song in? Who starts the song off? What's the pickup? Like if there's a, you know, if the song doesn't start on the downbeat, like one, two, three, four, Boom. And then everybody starts there. If there's something that like a guitar feel or drum feel or something that happens on the three, you know, you need to rehearse that. So like one, two, right. So like intros and stuff like that, or who's going to, you know, again, count off the songs. And again, it's the same thing with the endings. Who's going to call the endings of the song? What is the entire band going to do? For the ending of the song, are we going all in on the same chord and then the drummer's going to do the thing like, uh, bump. are we going to end it like that? Or is it going to be a clean break? Is it going to be like, dun, 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 bump. like a clean break? What type of ending are you going to do? Whatever the case may be, you need to go through those intros and endings for the songs. So that's the next section. Make sure you spend some time focusing on that. And also something that's important is if you have a large band, 
you probably need to spend some time giving each section time to rehearse by themselves. So like, for example, the rhythm section, the horn section, the percussion section, and all of that. And this is important because if you, once you have a lot of people in the room, I mean, you got a horn section of a three or four people, maybe you got a large rhythm section, you got drums, keys and bass and, you know, two guitars, rhythm guitar and lead guitar and all of this kind of stuff. You got those things. You got several vocalists on stage and you got a, a timbali player or a percussion player, you know, conga drum player, all of this kind of stuff. Large band rehearsals like that can get a little convoluted and a little, you know, just overbearing really quickly. And it can cause everybody in there to sort of lose their way. So you want to spend some time giving the sections of that. So let the rhythm section go and say, hey, let's get let them get the groove down. Give them a moment to do that. The chords and structure and stuff and get that down. Same thing with the horns, horn lick. So they'll be able to hear each other. You got sax, trumpet and trombone or, you know, two of those or whatever, however they work. You need to let them time to get the give them time to get their horn licks down to say, hey, these are the notes that we're playing and stuff like that. Not that they're learning anything in rehearsal, but that's just that you're giving them time to hear themselves to where they can perform whatever they're performing together and make it, you know, sort of consistent and be locked together with the rest of the band. And then once you do that, you can bring everyone back in together and have everyone play the sections of the song or the entire song together. But again, just devoting a, at least a little bit of time to giving those individual sections. When you have a large band and you have a lot of people in a room for a rehearsal, that may be something that is beneficial. And then the third part of this strategy that we're talking about is the post rehearsal and the things that you're going to do after rehearsal. And again, this is something that is just as important as planning the rehearsal and what you do in the rehearsals. This is the section that is going to help solidify what you've done in rehearsals into the people's minds, into the band members' minds, into the group's minds. So this is what we're going to be doing after the rehearsal. So what you want to do is start by rating your rehearsal from one to five. So like one being the worst and then five being the best. Now, this may sound like something that's kind of trivial, but it's actually something that's important because it gives you a sort of gauge on how you need to be thinking about your rehearsals moving forward. So if you have a rehearsal and you just you're reflecting over the rehearsal and you look back on it and you say, hey, this rehearsal is not it didn't seem to go that well. I didn't it just didn't feel like we learned everything we need to learn or whatever. You can give it a rating, say maybe two or three or whatever the number you want to give it. And then when you do that, you have that number in your mind. It's just kind of like a debrief. This this is basically what this section is. It's a debrief. It's looking back on what happened and seeing what you can, you know, get from it so that you can do better next time. That's really all this is. And doing this rating thing over your rehearsals just personally for yourself and for the entire band. And we'll talk about doing it personally in a second. But really just over the overall rehearsal and and just taking it and saying, hey, this is the level of the rehearsal is. So I want to strive to be a four or five, right? And we'll get into that as well. And then, of course, this is just determining what you could have done better. That's what I just said. You want to determine the things that happen in this rehearsal that you can improve on. And not only the things that happen in the rehearsal, the planning of the rehearsal itself. Like, what could I have done better or what could have been done better if it wasn't you that planned it? 
what could have been done better in the planning of this rehearsal to make the actual rehearsal as good as it could be, right? So that's something to consider as well. And then with the rating, you want to strive for at least having level four or level five rehearsals in most of the rehearsals that you have. This is something that you're just talking about an idea or an ideal to strive for. All of your rehearsals, everything is not going to be in, you know, any individual control or even the full band members control about how it happens all the time. So a lot of it is arbitrary. You just want to have as a goal and as an ideal in your mind to strive to have the best rehearsals that you can. A lot of people, you know, one of the things that a lot of people say is that, you know, practice makes perfect. So having like, you know, perfect practice makes perfect shows and all this kind of stuff. What I would say is having really good rehearsals makes for really great performances. They really do. So when you can have all of these things locked in your rehearsal and you got these songs down and you got everybody feeling them and the, the groove is right, the music is right, the lyrics is right, the, you know, if all of the sections are down, you're confident about where the song is going to go, all of the transitions, who's going to start and stop the song and all of this kind of stuff. When you get to that show, man, it's just like making it happen at that point and just like feeling it. You're not really even thinking anymore. You're on autopilot. You got this stuff down so well. It's just like, man, let's just do it. Let's jam. Let's get this stuff over with, you know, and let's make it happen. Let's make the people feel good. Right. And it it just makes for a better show when you have better rehearsals. And that's what this is about. It's about reflecting over that, the planning and the rehearsals itself to see what you can do to improve your rehearsals in the future. And this is even the case if you're having level five rehearsals, right? In your mind, you may be thinking like, because, I mean, you have to start with the sort of predisposition or or the sort of notion rather that no rehearsal is going to be perfect. So I hope in your mind that level five rehearsal is not ideal perfection. It's just probably like the best rehearsal that you've had or that you could think you may possibly have during the time that you're having it, right? But there's always going to be room for improvement. So even if you're having these level five rehearsals and they're just great, you still want to be going through this step, just reflecting back over it. If for nothing else, making sure that you can maintain that level five rehearsal, right? You may not be trying to go to level six or level 5.5 or whatever, but you may need to reflect so you can keep doing the things that work that makes these level five rehearsals level fives, right? And this is something that is important. Now, also, another thing that you want to consider doing is sending the recordings of the rehearsals to your band members. Now, ideally, you want to record the rehearsals um, professionally. So if you are in a rehearsal hall or a rehearsal studio or at someone's home or something like that, and you got a, a laptop and an interface where you can, you know, mic everybody up and plug into and record the rehearsals, it's, it makes it a better experience when you have these rehearsals and you can listen to them and you can send them to everyone else. But that doesn't necessarily have to be the way that you do it. What I mean by recording the rehearsals is literally just taking out your phone either using like your camera, you know, your camera app and re- like doing a video of the rehearsals or just using like your voice notes app and doing an audio recording of the rehearsal, right? This is the way that you're going to maximize future rehearsals. When you have these things that are like the recordings where you can continue listening to, this is something I tell people all the time. I have 
something that a lot of people don't know about me is I'm trained in martial arts. I'm trained in Kung Fu. Um, and one of the things that I, when I was training, uh, one of the things that my teacher, my Sifu at the time, Sifu is translated into teacher or master, would teach us at the time, he said something that always sticks with me, is that, you know, in these classes that we have, because we would go to class, in these classes that we have, we spend an hour in here once or twice a week getting these moves down, showing you your forms and techniques and all of this kind of stuff. But the thing that is going to make you a great Kung Fu practitioner, a great martial artist, is what you do outside of this class time. Because an hour or two a week is just not going to be enough for you to become great if this is all you use it for. Now, I'm telling you that to say that this post-rehearsal thing that we're talking about, this debrief, is the equivalent to after the Kung Fu class. It's the things that you're doing after the rehearsal that's going to make you a great band, that's going to make you a great musician. So it's taking these the things like taking these recordings, listening to them and going back over them in your mind. Because again, a lot of the times the rehearsals have to move. If, if you're in a rehearsal, again, where you have one of those rehearsals, everybody's done 10, 15, 25 songs, you're just not going to remember that stuff. So if you have something like a recording of it, where you can go back over it and get that stuff in your head, that's going to make all the better for the actual show. And it's just good practice to do for people in your rehearsals overall. So that's something you want to be considering doing like this whole post rehearsal debrief thing that you're talking about. This is really, really important. Don't overlook this section and don't not do these things. This is something that is going to contribute to, again, you having a better band, more effective rehearsals and just better shows and better performances overall. Now to sort of land the plane on this, so to speak, I want to say that effectively rehearsing with your band results in really great performances. Also, a well-planned strategy and a positive mindset and positive mindsets like the ones we talked about at the beginning help you achieve better results. Also, and this is something that is extremely important, continuous self re-evaluation of rehearsals and actively seeking feedback help tighten up the sound of a band. Listen to me when I tell you this whole thing about receiving feedback and giving feedback, it can mean the difference between your band being like trash and sucking and you being like a premier band, one of the top premier bands ever. I know that you've heard about a lot of the old band stories from bands of the 60s, 70s and 80s and stuff like that breaking up and, you know, getting into these fights and all of this kind of stuff over nonsense. And I'm telling you from personal experience, I know that a lot of it had to do with the way someone said something to someone or them not being able to handle feedback or give it properly, things like that. This is something that is important. So if you personally, this is, this is the personal work that you need to be doing. You need to be able to personally receive constructive feedback. I'm not going to go over the whole feedback thing again. I'm just want to stress how like important this is. It's going to allow you to, again, 
be in the mode of self reevaluation, getting better, improving what you do over time, your ability to accept constructive feedback directly goes into how good you can be. You have to start with the position of, I don't know everything. I'm not the best out there in the world. There are things that I can continually learn no matter how long I've been doing it. You need to start with that disposition. And when you have it, you can be open to say, hey, there is some things that I can get from other people. Guess what? And even people that are not as experienced as me, even people who are younger than me, who just have different experiences, there are things that I can learn from them. This is really important, guys. This is if you want to have effective rehearsals and you want to have, you know, good camaraderie and relationships with your band members, it all goes into things like accepting this feedback, being able to give it correctly, being able to have effective rehearsals, make your shows and stuff like that better. And this is something that we all need to work on. And I really hope that you take these principles and you sort of adopt them and make them your own and apply them to your rehearsals and your bands and your groups and all of that. And I know when you do, you will continually have great shows, great performances, and your audiences will love you for them. <laughs>